As we get ready to start, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 4. This is a passage we'll be kind of sticking with. Although, as you see, as always, there's a lot of other scriptures that I include. Um, some I'll mention, some I'll show you, but all of them are, should be there on the, on the sheet uh, notes. And you can take those home and look that over. Let's look at James chapter 4. We're going to begin reading in verse 6. But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. And when you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? You know, as we begin the new year, where do you start? What do you do? How, how do we focus even for ourselves and for us as a church? And it's pretty simple. If we wanted to stop, start with the priorities. And the number one priority for us as Christians, Jesus gave us already by saying is the number one command. And that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, with everything that you have. That our first and foremost priority should be pressing in, as we've talked about in the past, pressing in closer to Christ. So how do you start the year? Closer to Christ then. How, how do we do that? James 4.8 tells us here and says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Just to hear that him say, draw near to God, implies that we are not as near as we should be. Are you with me? I mean, why would he say draw near to God if we're already there? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And let's face it, there's some of us who are here today, we know that we are not close, not as close as we can be, not as close maybe as even we want to be or even as we once were. It's not like we've turned away from God or that we've stopped believing, but we cannot help but admit that there is a distance in our relationship with God that we would like to be closer And those who are some of the closest to God feel this even more than those who are farther. James starts us out this year calling us to draw closer. How do we do it? He starts us out by dealing with the main elephant in the room that keeps us from getting closer to Christ. And that's sin. That's not a popular starting point for a lot of people. And yes, that's where we need to start, especially as we think about this Communion Sunday. Because everything else that we could do, and there are a lot of things we could do, everything else we can do cannot undo the separation that sin creates between us and God. How do we get closer? And there are many ways, and we're going to talk about that as we work through this uh, 
January and February here. We talk about getting that closer, pressing in more, and really dealing with the theme of this year. Uh, but this morning, we've got to just start at the basic problem that keeps us from getting closer. That is our sin. Sin that not just gets in the way, but sin that takes us out of the way of getting closer to Jesus. In fact, here's what I'd like you to do to, to think about it this morning. I think this is, is this the right one? Which one? I'm looking for the, the I know we have one over here and there is another one I had a, the tape on. It's right there. All right, so let's start with this. I'll get over there and find that one. All right, right here, we have a cross. Not that we really need this sign, but, you know, I'm throwing it out there just in case some of you have a little difficulty. All right, here's the Savior, right? Okay. I see it. All right, and then I have another one here that says what? Sin. All right. So we want to think about this today. We are want to get, how do you get closer to Christ? It's real simple as it deals with sin. It's really not complicated. If you want to get closer to the Savior, you need to get what? You need to get farther from sin. It almost is too simple, right? If you want to get closer to the Savior, you need to get farther from sin. There it is. If I lose you for the rest of the message, you got that, right? That's what it comes down to. How do we do this, though? And James chapter 4 tells us how we do it. In fact, he lays out three steps here that we're going to look at this morning that we need to take if we're to get closer to Jesus. And we start with step one. We need to come clean about our sin. Uh, verse 8, we were just reading. Uh, I just mentioned that. Come near to God and he will come near to you. What's it say next? Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Wash your hands, cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. It, it brings up an imagery of the, of the Old Testament priests as they made their way through the temple all the way into the holy of holies in the very presence of god to get closer to that presence of god they first the first thing they had to do was come in to that temple into that tabernacle to the uh, be cleansed so to speak by that altar of burnt sacrifices and the laver that's the way it starts in our progression towards god it starts with cleansing it's something Isaiah chapter 1 verse 16 says, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds before my eyes. So how do we get clean then? We get clean by coming clean. Coming clean about our sin, coming clean about how we're missing the mark. The first step to coming about what this is, coming clean, really deals with confession. To say, come clean, and we're talking about confession this morning here. Not just to admit that we've done wrong, but to agree with God about our sin. To agree with how He thinks and feels about it, not how the world thinks about it, not even how contemporary churchianity thinks about it, including 
those particular acceptable sins in the church. But we have difficulty, don't we? At times, completely coming clean. Think of it this way. Yeah, I'm willing to admit that I've got some issues. There, there are some problems I have. I have a few difficulties. I, I know that. The, there's things that aren't so good in my life. But we don't come completely clean and just call it what it is. It's not difficulties. It, it's not problems. It's sin. And to call it what it is, to admit that sin sin that's not limited to just literally breaking just the Ten Commandments. It's not just about what we do that is wrong. As verse 8 is talking here, what I just read, you notice it's our hand, not just our hands any clean, but our hearts, our minds. It deals with our actions. It deals with our attitudes. Sin is what's going on inside and outside of us. And it's not just the wrong that we should not. It is about the right that we should be doing, saying, and thinking. And yet there are Christians who would say, you know what, we don't really need to make such a big deal about this coming clean. Uh, it's, it's not that they're perfect, but they think that the good outweighs the bad. Why worry about all this clean and, and what I've done because the good outweighs the bad. Even though before becoming a Christian, they know that that's not the way you get to heaven because our good will never outweigh our bad. But for some reason, now that we come to Christ, we think that that still works. We go right back to the, the works, salvation, after we've already got ourselves in for some reason. It's surprising how many Christians will say they're close with God. God and I are good right now. Yeah, we're good. You know, maybe even talk about how often they read their Bible and they pray. And they're good as long as they're doing good things for God or as long as they're doing the good religious things that you're supposed to do. It doesn't matter, though, that there is sin that they're doing at the same time. How close can we really be with the Savior if we are walking at, towards sin? You know, the, we've got to get this. It, well, the good, I'm doing good. Now, wait a minute, which way are you walking? We need to understand this, these two things are at opposite ends of the spectrum. There is no in-between. There is no walking with sin and with the Savior. You're either walking towards the Savior or you're walking towards sin. It doesn't matter about all the good and all the things we say and they would do this and that. It's one or the other. Pick. Which way are you walking? And what's astounding is that there are some in churches who, if they were pushed, would be willing to admit and say, well, you know, technically you're right. It's sin. But, but it's not that bad. It's not really coming clean. Well, the reason they don't want to complain about it is because they really think it's not that bad and that God is okay with it. In fact, God's okay with me while I'm doing this, while I'm continuing on in this, this action, in this attitude. God's okay with it uh, because, well, basically, you know, God is a God of love and he wants me happy. How many of you ever heard that from Buddy that goes to a church someplace or says they believe in God. All God wants is just, he wants me to be happy. And that's why I can do what I'm doing. Because God just wants, where, where does he say that? 
No, no, it's okay. They would say, it's okay as long as I'm not really hurting anybody. The problem is they don't see they are hurting people, including the Savior who loves them. Well, 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 no, just wait a minute, Pastor. Uh, I just, right now in my life, I'm just at this point where I need to do what makes me happy. And my heavenly dad is happy as long as I'm happy. Some of the things we kind of put out there in the world as we talk even with our own family and somehow we think that's the way God thinks. It is a false, destructive, worldly thinking that justifies going our own way, doing what is right in our own eyes. Those who do so are in sin and walking away from Jesus if you're walking this way. It's plain. It's simple. And yet somehow we think Jesus is okay with it. That somehow we think Jesus is okay, not just with our sin, but that Jesus is okay with walking away from Him. As long as we're happy. Really? God's goal for us is to be holy. It's not about being happy. God's number one. It is about being holy. Separated from sin and separated to God. And when we are that way, then the joy of the Lord so overwhelms our soul that it cannot be contained. Forget happiness that goes up and down with circumstances. It is a joy that lasts and permeates everything in our holiness before the Lord, in all that we are. Don't be fooled by the world's words. Listen to the words of Jesus who tells us in John 14, 23, if you love me, if you love me, Love me. You will obey my commands. Jesus, God tells us, be holy as I am holy. That's his goal. It's in times like these that we come before the Lord's table that we know that we need to examine ourselves and come clean. And unfortunately what happens, and I see it happen, maybe it doesn't happen in this church, but I've seen it happen in other churches is that we come before communion, we really are sincere about getting ourselves right before God as we do this, and yet we leave out a whole set of Jesus' commands. We just kind of push one off to the side, uh, uh, not checking ourselves in a certain area of sin. But James makes it very clear here that this needs to be a part of the conversation. Look with me as we're on James chapter 4, verse 11. Brothers, do not slander one another. Notice he's putting this with the come near to God section. He's putting this with the wash your hands and purify yourselves. He says, brothers, in verse 11, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it. You're sitting in judgment on us. There's only one lawgiver and judge, one who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge your neighbor? This is talking about... Speaking out 
speaking about, speaking against, having a critical spirit towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. What we don't get is that you cannot be closer to God and far from others. The sin that grieves God is a sin that he's speaking of right here. It's a sin that separates us from him. You can't be wrong with other people and right with God. And yet, the way some Christians solve this problem of the sin between them and someone else, whether it's an attitude or there's something they've said or uh, unforgiveness or whatever it is, here's the way they solve the problem. They recognize this is sin and I'm heading this direction and this is not right the way I'm feeling, the way I'm saying, and what I'm saying is not right. So what I need to do is stop. Stop seeing them in my life. What, what I need to do is, is stop hanging around them. What I need to do, in fact, some would even say, uh, you've heard in other churches perhaps, some would even say, you know what, I just need to stop going to that church because then I won't be around them anymore. Except there's one problem. What hasn't stopped? The sin. The walking towards sin hasn't stopped. All you did was get rid of the person who was causing you a, a, a problem, who was bringing up that occasion for sin. You've gotten rid of the person, but you haven't gotten rid of the sin. And all you do is move on someplace else where the devil brings somebody else and God allows that to happen, to bring somebody else that's even worse than the last person who was in your life to continue to press on that area of sin that you haven't stopped yet. You just keep going. We get rid of the people in our lives, but we do not get rid of the sin that caused there to be a problem. Well, it's all about them. If you have that attitude you have, it's also about you. Because when we stand before God, they're not going to be there that we can point to. Oh, yeah, well, the reason that that just burned up and when we were testing all my works, God, was because of that person. They're not going to be there. It's going to be you. I heard someone say, but, and, and someone say, I've stopped the sin. I've dealt with it, with that, you know, with what I'm feeling about that person or what the problem with the person. I've dealt with it. I've forgiven them. I've moved on. I say, really? I, 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 this has happened a number of times. You've stopped. Then what is this attitude I just keep hearing? Have you ever met somebody like that? Since I've stopped, I'm good. We're, we're good with them. And you can just see on their face, I'm done. You know, I'm fine. They don't bother me. I'm good. What do you mean? I'm just being intense. I'm not angry. But let's for a minute, let's just imagine that you did stop the sin that was in your heart, even what is in your actions towards another person, and you turned from that. And then you come in and you say, Pastor, I've turned from that, but you know what? This person is still sinning against me. Well, here's what you need to do. As you think about it, God makes it clear. First step, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. In general, your first step 
if you have dealt with your sin, is to allow love of God in you to cover over a multitude of sins of someone else. Second step. Romans 12. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, we don't like to hear that because we just want them to change. We want them to be judged. We want them. But you know what? If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. In that moment, it just drops there. You're done, and you're done walking that way, and you're walking this way. They may still be walking that way, yeah. But you're walking towards the Savior. Now, sometimes it's not possible, it, as far as it depends on you, to stop, because they, it really is sin that just cannot continue. You cannot just overlook it. You've tried in Christ. And that's when you need to take steps to do the principles in Matthew chapter 18 and go and speak to that person, to speak to them about their sin, about how it affects you. In fact, I may as well just go ahead and irritate some of you now. Instead of later. Uh, it's not that I really want to, but I might as well just, this way I get it out in, in front of it. If you come to me about a problem that you have with somebody else, I am going to tell you, according to Matthew 18 and so many other things, I'm going to say, you need to first go talk to that person. Now, if you sincerely want to reconcile, you sincerely want to make this, I may coach you, help you. Here's what you say. But I am not going to do it. I am not going to get involved. I don't care that I'm the pastor. I am not over God's rules and laws and commands. I must obey just like we must obey. God has a way that works. Yeah, but I've tried that. Oftentimes we have not truly tried in a way that like Galatians 6 talks about to gently restore someone, to go in Christian love and to have it settled in our own mind first before we go and talk with that other person. And we're settled. And, you know, there, there are ways. And so the question is, not just are we, are we moving towards the Savior, which means we're moving towards, we've already moved towards forgiveness. Unforgiveness is gone. We're moving towards reconciliation. We are moving towards restoration of the relationship. Is that the direction you're walking? Or are you walking the other way? And please, we need to understand this. When we come before the Lord in communion, we say, oh Lord, forgive me about this and this and that and that. And we think, as long as God and us are good, we're good. And the reality is, it's this way and this way. And we need to be good. We need to not take in an unworthy manner because we are not right with someone else. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Therefore, if you are offering your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. There's a problem between you. You need to make that right. Not just about offering your gift, but they think about communion in itself. You need to make this right. You need to come clean. After our, our time of communion this morning, we're going to move to a time of healing. 
In fact, we want to do that at least most every communion Sunday to have the opportunity to recognize Jesus is not just our Savior, but He's also our healer. And it makes sense at communion because that's the time when we have hopefully come clean before God, that there is nothing that would stand between us and God answering that prayer for healing that we've prepared ourselves hopefully for communion, therefore we're prepared for what he wants to do. James chapter 5 verse 14 through 16 says this, Is any among you sick? Let him call the elders of church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, as, and this is right in the whole context of healing, therefore confess your sins to each other, pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It's all a part of it. And today we're going to have that opportunity right after uh, the communion. We're going to go right into that. If we're going to get right with God, we, we need to walk away from sin and walk towards the Savior. Let us draw near. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that brings our hearts, having our hearts sprinkled, cleansed from a guilty conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us have full assurance as we come clean before Him. As we confess our sins, He will cleanse us. He will bring us closer in. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, though, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You just take that out. It'll be done. Confess before him. God is waiting to forgive you. Isaiah 1, chapter 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. He is waiting for you to come clean. But more than that, there is another step than just coming clean. We need to come away from sin. In James chapter 4, verse 8, where we were reading, it talked about purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, verse 9. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. When we see our sin as God sees it, we cannot help but stop in our walk in that. To stop and even to drop before him and be broken over what it's not just doing to me, but what it is doing to him. God tells us in Psalm 51, verse 17, the sacrifice of God, the sacrifice of God that is acceptable is what? A broken spirit, a broken spirit. And contrite heart, you, O God, will not despise. He says that in Isaiah 66. He says it in Psalm 34. Let me just ask you, have you ever experienced a brokenness before God? 
Even this morning. Are you here about something that as much as most of your life you love God and you want to be God and you were even worshiping Him and all that you can and yet you know there is a hardness, there is a part of your life this morning that is just hard. Maybe it's something that's been going on or maybe it's something that just happened on your way to church this morning. We need to stop and come away from that. To experience the brokenness that will bring us closer to God. To grieve, mourn, and wail. It's not just about coming clean. It's about coming away. It is that expression that is used when we stop and turn away from our sin. To grieve, mourn, and wail is an expression that is used that deals with repentance. And many would say, I I, I do step one. I confess all the time my wrong before God and ask Him to forgive me. But we need to recognize that there is more that we need to do to get closer to Christ. And this is especially true for those who just think all you got to do is use the magic words, Jesus forgives me. Jesus forgive me, that's a magic word and it just everything's good and everything goes away. It may get us farther in our religion, but it does not necessarily get us closer in our relationship as we just honor him with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. We become like my sister who would say she's sorry to me because mom is standing there making her say it, right? Saying the right thing, but there is nothing that went right or got right from that. But let's say even we are giving a sincere confession of our sin before God. That doesn't bring us closer to the Savior. What a sincere confession does is it stops us in our tracks and we recognize where we're going and where we need to be. We admit to that. We stop the sin, but we have not yet turned towards the Savior. A sincere confession, confessing our sin, keeps us from getting closer to sin. But not necessarily does it get us closer to Christ. Grieve, mourn, wail, recognize how far we've gone. It doesn't mean that we should be a permanent, miserable wretch that never smiles like some good church people. Right? That's not what it's about. It is about a temporary godly sorrow that will lead to a permanent godly joy. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. That's the way I kind of feel about this message right now. At least I hope that we can get to the point where we recognize godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Too often we stop short at step one and end up falling short 
because even though we sincerely confess before God and ask forgiveness, it is too easy if we have stopped and we've even dropped to our knees and recognize how serious and how bad it is and we really feel like we've had a moment with God. What happens if this is where we're at? What happens? It's much too easy to just get up and then be drawn back this direction that we're still facing. We've confessed, we've admitted, but we're still facing this direction towards sin. And, and we just find ourselves sucked into it again. It's kind of like you go out of the house and you, you step into a big mud puddle. Oh, oh I didn't want to do that. All right, so you go back in the house and you, 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 you change your clothes, you take a shower, you get all cleaned up. And then what do you do? You go back out of the house. Okay, now I got to get to where I'm going. And oh, okay, but you know what? After the 14th time of, ah, there's something not right. Do you really not want to be in that mud puddle? Are you going to tell me after the 14th time that was just an accident? It just kind of happened? No, it didn't just happen because you were walking this direction. The only way you're not going to get into that mud puddle is if when you leave the house, you go the opposite direction of it. Just like you go the opposite direction of sin. It's the only way that it happens for us. Here's the real problem. We want God to cleanse our heart, our minds, our hands. And yet deep inside there is this intention of the possibility that we might get dirty again in that mud puddle. And we just get stuck deeper and deeper. We need to be ready to do something about the fact that even though we are sorry for our sins sincerely, in the back of our mind we have left open a door. Or at least left the door unlocked to go back to that sin. We act like we're turning away from it, but we keep our hand on it. There needs to come a time where we come away completely from that sin. We turn from it. We renounce it. We forsake it. We let it go forever. And that is what repentance is. A change of heart to change our mind that changes our actions. A complete 180 degree turn. Not turning part way away from it. Because there becomes the problem. I've turned away from that sin. It's there, but I know I shouldn't be going that way. But we haven't turned completely to the Savior. You know, you, you probably hear this before uh, again, but and it's not original with me. The reality is, as Christians, we do not have a sin problem. We have a love problem. Think about it. It's not really a sin problem. It's not that we're walking this way. The problem is we're not walking this way. We don't love God with all. And 
want Him so much that none of that matters. I know someone would say, well, you know, maybe, probably nobody at this church. But some churches, there might be somebody who would say, oh, looks like we got ourselves an Old Testament preacher. (laughs) Somebody talking about repentance. Me, just somebody needs to tell him we're in New Testament times now. That's what needs to happen. And I can't begin to tell you how... That thinking is theologically off, separating the God of the Old and New Testaments. He is the same God in the Old as He is in the New, and it is the same word in both for those who truly study it deeper. They understand that. But let's just go past that and let's just talk about the New Testament, shall we? Calling for repentance is just new. It's not New Testament kind of thing. John the Baptist, what was he about? As he started it all, repentance, right? Right, repentance. How about Jesus in Matthew four seventeen? From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. From that time on. Continuing on, Jesus preached repentance. And not just that, as we go to the early church, as we begin in Acts chapter 2, the very first Christian sermon, the very first time there was any kind of evangelism that took place, the the first time Peter explains to them about Jesus, and they say, as they are cut to the heart by the Holy Spirit, they say, what do we got to do then? What do we need to do? We need this Jesus. What do we need to do? And the very first word that Peter uses in the very first evangelistic sermon in the New Testament is repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. Later on in Acts chapter 17, in the past God overlooked such ignorance, but how he but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And we could go on and on and on. It is very much a New Testament thing. It is just not very much a contemporary Christian thing. Now, let me just uh, do that as Watching the time is getting away from us, not us, from me. Uh, as God wants, he's in control, right? Let me just do a little illustration just to kind of finish out as we're thinking about this. Give me an illustration. I have a volunteer. Come on up, my volunteer. Some of you might know this man. You've seen him before. Uh, Fran. Now, Fran is going to be my volunteer. And, and Fran, I'm going to have you stand right here. Come up here and stand on, on the uh, platform with me. Fran is going to represent Jesus, the Savior. All right? It's a stretch. Yeah. All right? No comments from his wife, please. Um, yeah. All right, Fran, Fran is a wonderful man. All right, Fran's going to represent the Savior. I'm the sinner, or whatever you want to say. All right, so when we start out, I, as a Christian... I'm facing the Savior, right? Oh, I love Jesus and Jesus loves me and everything's going so well. But the reality is I have a love problem. 
And because of that, there's that sin over there. And I try to keep my eyes on Jesus, but, you know, I'm looking, looking, and eventually I just turn towards sin. The Savior is trying to get my attention as I do that, right? He's reaching out. Is he? Yeah. Hint, hint. Uh, okay, so the Savior's trying to get my attention, and he's calling to me, and he's trying to grab a hold of me, but, but then I start to walk closer to sin closer and closer to sin till eventually i'm so far away i don't hear him anymore and it's in that moment that god stops trying to get my attention to try stops trying to reach me so to speak stop trying to reach out and grab a hold and get me to come it's at that time that god turns his back to me Isaiah 59, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. We might think that's a little cruel that God doesn't hear us in our little petty babbling about, I need this God and I need that. But you know what? We stopped listening to him long ago. He's not listening to all that stuff. He's only listening for one thing. And so I just keep walking. But the stuff I heard at OCCA comes back to me. God, somehow the Holy Spirit works and I recognize, you know what? I'm getting farther away from the Savior. I don't want to do this anymore. And I stop. And I come clean before God. And I say, God, please forgive me. I know that I have wronged. I know how horrible I've been to you and everything else. And in that moment, God turns towards me. As I confess before him, God turns his face towards me. And he reaches out his hands with the gift of forgiveness. More than that, it says that God comes near to those who once were far off. And so he even comes close to me. As I I cry out to him, forgive me, cleanse me. But I have not yet fully experienced his gift of forgiveness. I know that he forgives me, but I have not experienced that forgiveness yet. And more than that, the goal in our Christian life is not to not walk towards sin, right? That's not the goal. Oh, my goal is that I don't sin. No, my goal is that I would walk towards the Savior, right? My goal is that I would be closer, that I would be, as we talked in Exodus 33, and when I first uh, came here and candidated, that I would have a relationship that's close with God, face to face with God. Which, by the way, in a few weeks, we're going to do part two of that. That's the goal is I have face to face. But if all I do is just confess my sin before him, I have stopped. God offers forgiveness, but I have not experienced. What do I need to do to experience fully God's forgiveness? What do I need to do 
to finally get close to God. I need to turn around. And what is that turn around? What's the biblical word for that? Repent. And it's in that moment that the Savior embraces me. And I fully experience, and I fully experience the love of God. Thank you, Fran. Can you see from that that repentance is not such a heavy-handed bad thing? Repentance is just turning to the Savior. Turning not just away from that, but turning to Him. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And yet I don't want to have to go down that road. I don't want to have to be that far gone. I want to turn towards Him. Today, which way are you walking this morning? Which way? God says in Zechariah chapter 1, Tell the people, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Today, let's take that time. Let's make sure that we do that with him as we come before him in communion. Ask the worship team if you would come. That we would get closer to the Savior. In fact, that we would make it our goal, not just today, but this year to be closer to than ever we have ever, ever been. Please don't put this off. Because as we make it and keep putting off, turning back to God, it gets harder and harder to hear Him calling our name and our heart becomes harder and harder to the Holy Spirit. Today, you're just like, I don't want to hear this. I don't want any part of this. Do you recognize that's hardness? It's not going to get softer with that attitude. Allow the Holy Spirit to soften you. To come clean. And to come away from that. Father, help us. Even in this. Now move. Move in our lives. As we look at the elements before us right here, Jesus, we ask that you would bless the bread that has been broken, your body, that represents your body that has been broken for us. We recognize to what extent you went to deal with sin. How can we fall so short and not even stopping and turning around? Meet us here, even now. May we be right with you, right with others, and may we have this time even a communion where we come closer to you, Christ, than ever before. Bless this time. In your name we pray.